Welcome again to this week's episode of Live Transform. Glad you've joined us. And if you were a part of last week's, I would imagine you're highly anticipating, mm-hmm. you know, this episode. Jim, you put us on such a cliffhanger. Absolutely. <laughs> My, everybody's here. You enjoyed every second we're of that, Jim. I could tell. For a special offering of $999, we're going to teach everybody how to do time travel. Yeah, why not? I feel like it's a great idea. So, so we'll just we'll just uh, uh, tease it all the way through, and then at the end, and you have to buy this for ninety nine dollars. Yes, there we go. <laughs> That'd be so rude. Okay, oh my God. Audrey, you gift. wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah, I wanted to just talk about last week's. Okay, um, I absolutely loved talking about the goodness of God, mm-hmm. and and for me, the entire episode of really. Uh, just unraveling all the myths and the misbeliefs, so to speak, that have really taken away the the essential foundation of his goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like that really happened during the episode. And it was personal for me because, you know, I can look back and we were we were all talking about how we've allowed circumstances to lead our decisions or our emotions to lead our decisions or our intellectual our evaluations. Mm-hmm to make our decisions. And then we decide whether it's good or bad. And then we say, and then we put it on the, 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 the onus that God led this decision and now he's locked in. And, and, and now I think it came to the conclusion for me, am I going to make God look bad if this didn't work out? Or am I willing to look bad? Yeah. Like, am I willing to have the humility to say, you know what, when it really came down to it, I really did mess up with this. And 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 just the whole idea, foolishness and ego will kill your life, but then we blame God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, even our story, our marriage story that mm-hmm. I would presume the majority of our listeners know about, mm-hmm. um, when when people see that we have come through, you mm-hmm. know, you know, the experiencing of betrayal and affair and all that comes along with it. It's it's never about how good we are or no. what we did. It, it really is all about how good God really is in all of our screw ups, you know, yeah. in all of our mistakes. And it, it's, it's almost as though God says, hey, I can deal with that, you know, in, in you. And and when he is when he's revealed as so loving and gracious and merciful and redemptive. So redemptive. It is beautiful. I think redemptive has become one of my favorite words about him because because we do mess oh, up. Yeah. And and you know, Jim, with this whole God is good thing, people do that with our story, as you can imagine. They say, Wow, like you have this this son now. His name is Robert and he was the result of this affair, but look at his life, like this beautiful gift that Robert has been to our family and how your story has been a gift to the world to bring hope and redemption. The idea, even the hopeful idea that there might be redemption. Mm -hmm. Do you think God led you, Audrey, to have that affair? You know people have asked me this, Jim. I know. Repeat. You you know. Do you think God led led you to have that affair so that you could have this? And it's like, you know what? That's not the goodness of God that I would do something so selfish. And, and so wrong. And there's no excuse for that. But the redemption of God is that yeah. amazing. 
Is God so good? Is God good? Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. You know, Charles Capps and many people, they weren't associated with the faith movement, don't know who he is. Charles Capps uh, was an interesting guy. He was, boy, he was a no-nonsense kind of faith teacher. And, uh, and he was very extreme and very literal about words and this sort of thing. Yes. Um, which I'm not saying it's a bad thing. He, he's a little more extreme than he, than I think is warrants, but still I'd rather see people too extreme about being wise with your words. But anyhow, so, yes. you know, Charles tells this story about, uh, they lived in a town called England, Arkansas, which was a tiny little town, you know, and is, is, I think it's just more of a rural farm community than it really was even mm-hmm. an incorporated city. So his, his, he loved his little grandson so anytime they would hear a fire engine, you know, or the fire bell, or the siren, where it was they would use in that area, he would grab his grab up his little grandson. They'd get in his pickup truck, and they would go find where the fire was, and they and and the grandson just loved watching these firemen put out these fires. And he mm-hmm. said he had done that I don't know how many times. And he said one day, you know, after they had done this, after they watched them put out this fire. You know, his grandson said, said, you know, Papa, why do these men keep setting these fires, setting these houses on fire? And so, and, and, he, and he was making this comparison of how we as believers, oh. you know, because God shows <laughs> up to put the fire out, we pass oh this my. judgment. He didn't use judgment. You know, that's my term. We pass oh this judgment gosh. that God set the fire. So that he what a great story. so that he could come and put it out. Perfect so illustration. Good. Now Jim yeah. just knocked it out. He gets a winner sticker. Way to go, Charles. But stop and think about it. <laughs> this is just like whenever whenever Balaam huh. was called on to prophesy against the children of Israel. You know the Bible war- you know the- Balaam had an era, doctrinal era, and the Bible warns against the era of Balaam and it warns against the way of Balaam. Now, the way of Balaam was to use your gift for money. And so, hmm. and so in, not, in other words, not for ministry, but, but for money. So he was offered by a, by a king. I think the king's name was Balak, I think it was, of mm-hmm. all things, and offered him because Balaam was a real prophet. And, mm-hmm. and he was offered you know, a financial sum to come and to prophesy against the children of Israel to bring a curse on them. And so he came and, you know, you know, his is the story where his, his, his dumb ass, I'm talking about the one he was riding, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I saw, I saw this angel and, and stopped and kept him from getting killed by this angel because this angel was like, no, you know, you're not going, you're not going to go pronounce a curse on God's people. And so anyhow, so it ends up that, that he goes on knowing that he can't pronounce this curse, but, but he's probably thinking there's still got to be some way I can get the money. And so every time he would try to pronounce a curse on God's people, now keep in mind, these are people that weren't even born again. I mean, so, so if God relates to them this way, just think of how he relates to us. So every time he would try to pronounce a curse on the people, right, 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 it would come out a blessing. And so, and so, you know, this king Balak that hired him is getting all upset with him. He's like, man, I can't, I, you know, I hired you to come over here and curse him. But the, the era, <laughs> the doctrinal era of Balaam was 
And it's, it's a doctrinal error that permeates the church today. The doctrinal error uh -huh. was that God will curse what he has blessed. That was, that was his error. And so, so Balaam then says, well, you know what? I can't get God to curse them, but if we can get them in sin, they'll turn their back on God. And that's that's really oh. that's really all Lucifer's plan really is. He knows he can't get God to if we to can kill get you, them to sin. But maybe if if, if you then they'll kill, essentially kill yeah, themselves. Yeah, you'll, you'll you'll destroy yourself. You know about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So you know, uh, Balaam, you know, says that that you know God turned the curse into the blessing. But the problem is, just like with Charles Capsule's grandson, when God turns the curse into a blessing, people are like, well, but see, he brought the curse. So he could show the blessing. Right. And that's that one tweak yep. little thing that is he said, completely wrong. Exactly. Because God did not cause the curse. He turned the curse. Right. He didn't light the fire. He puts out the fire. Well, just like, and, like my friend I told you guys about you know, last week that used to go to our church and he fell off our... Yeah, he fell so, off so the thing. He's right. trying to extrapolate. Now, remember, Lucifer brought about his rebellion through extrapolation. An extrapolation is where you start with a fact and you build on to that fact of reasoning that departs from the fact. Mm -hmm. And 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 when when it says that by reason of your brightness, in, in the Hebrew, that word reason is just reasoning. You start it with your brightness. Well, remember, God created your brightness, your splendor, your greatness. But then you start it with a truth, but you reasoned beyond that, that truth. That's extrapolation. So this guy is extrapolating how he came to this doctrine, you know, that, that, that God let him fall off of this house, uh, you know, for a greater good. He said, you know, God lets a lot of things happen. He lets people die every day. I'm like, are you, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, cause I'll come back and minister to him later, but I'm thinking, are you stupid? We die because Adam brought the curse into the world. We die because man chose to bring death into the world. Um, it, it, it just amazes me when people just take a natural phenomenon and somehow yeah. rake God into the equation as if he caused it. I, I remember, I, I, well, actually, I have, a, I have a, a relative. He's not a blood relative. He's, he's a relative by marriage. But, you know, his, his, uh, his mom was like 80-something years old and died. So he decided he wasn't going to follow God anymore because God let her die. It's like, so What? So somebody lives to be 80-something years old, instead of celebrating how long they lived and what a great life they lived, you're right, going to get right. mad at God because they died at 83 and God either let it happen or God killed them. That's, that right there is the reasoning of a crooked heart. Yes. And, and, and we just experienced it last week and there was a couple here. Just, they just actually left yesterday. But his, his, the, the husband in, in the marriage... His biggest question when it really came down to the root of it was they had had infertility issues. They had tried in vitro twice, spent a lot of money, a lot of pain, a lot of five, like a very painful journey with no happy ending. Let's just say that. And he just couldn't wrap his, because of all that pain and sorrow, he couldn't wrap his head around the fact that God is good. And when someone can't wrap their head around that God is good, it's very hard to lead them to a door where they're going to find freedom and peace. And, well, and again, it's always a heart problem. Anytime, yes. remember, and we talked about this. Mm -hmm. If I say remember, I'm not really not so much saying it to you all as much because I know what you guys know and, you know, we are, but I'm talking to our listeners. 
They have to remember this. Anytime we talked about this, you see the word good anywhere in Scripture, even in the Greek New Testament. It, not only does it mean pleasant or desirable or appealing and that sort of, or fulfilling, but it also always has its root in the concept of harmony, being in harmony with God. Right. Because you can't have good, pleasant, appealing, desirable in anything that is not in harmony with God. You know, we talked about that last week. Remember the, tra the picture of the train? Yes, we did. Your heart has got to be yes. parallel with God. So mm -hmm. a, a, a twisted or crooked heart cannot find good. That, it's not that they can't see the good things in life, uh, which, which they, they, they always struggle with seeing and being sensitive to and aware of the good things in life, but they can't even see and have any concept of, of thinking about how, Thing, if things were harmonized with God, what they would look like. Even the possibilities. Yeah. They, they can't even imagine the possibilities. And the reason you can't, because if you have spent your life blaming God for the problems, you have no concept of God being a good God. Exactly, which is why I'm so glad we're emphasizing this yeah. over and over. Okay, and then the uh, uh, just yesterday's story. I went to the mailbox yesterday, and Bob and I are going on a trip to Australia. And, you know, you, you've experienced this, you know, traveling with product can be a challenge. Yes. And, you know, we have this book that I wrote, this devo devotional that we wanted to bring called Wake Up Smiling, um, which is people are just loving this 40 day devotional that I wrote. And so we thought, well, if we're going to bring anything, let's, let's bring this devotion because it's hardcover. It's cute. You, it's not as good on an ebook. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's worth bringing the product over right. there. So I go to the mailbox yesterday and uh, there's a letter from the U.S. post office and it's a thick letter because it is a uh, the, it's a four by five put ta taped. It was the label we had on the box of books had been cut off, and somebody had it's missing. I'm not going to assume someone stole it, oh, yeah. but it, it looked like it was very carefully cut off, mm -hmm. and someone took the books, and they found the label among their stuff. So they be, and it was not insured, you know. So they said you know, sorry, if you want us to try and look for this, tell us what's inside and we'll, you know, try and look for this. But basically your book, your box is gone. Mm. <laughs> okay. So, you know, immediately my heart didn't start racing. I didn't start, you know, <coughs> thinking, oh my gosh, who in the world could do that to me? I wasn't thinking of the violation. I thought, well, it happened. And um, seriously, the first thought that came to me, Man, I sure hope that just somehow through this, yeah. one of those books lands into the hands of someone that needed it, because that would yeah. be a beautiful thing. Absolutely. You know, you know, does did, did God cause that happen so that some person can get that book? No. Could it be that maybe someone's going to get their hands on that book that otherwise would not have? Sure, maybe. Absolutely. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. I'm not going to be freaked out about the money or the inconvenience because you know what? You can't change no. what already happened. But you can trust. But just stop and think. For you know. a person to, like, a person asking if God, you know, caused you to have the affair. If a person asking okay. that these book, you know, then, then God did this somehow or let God. That all comes from that concept of God is in control of everything. Exactly. That is the, Bottom that line. Is the most idiotic, un, unscriptural yes. belief. And that is the foundation of almost all unbelief and almost all accusation against God 
is that God is in control. When the Bible says same with the, just the opposite. Same with the fertility yeah. issue. That, 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 that precious couple who wanted babies. What a beautiful desire to have the gift of babies, the gift of life. God is in control. Therefore, we yeah. weren't supposed to have babies. You know, I was doing a leadership meeting uh, with this group. And I, I tell you, I thought it was going to end in a fist fight. Because, you know, one of the things I point out to people, and I'm talking about the goodness of God, and, and you got to go back to the beginning. You know, you want to you take everything right to the very first mention, the very first root. God only created two people, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve created their children. Their children created their children. Their children created their children. God hasn't created anybody since Adam and Eve. <laughs> which means when people are born, you know, and, and I'm not blaming anybody. If you, if a woman doesn't have enough minerals and it really just gets down to minerals, honestly, it's not just a general nutrition. It's all about minerals. If a woman doesn't have all of the minerals she needs in her body very properly, this is going to determine which organs in the baby's body are, are not going to be fully developed whether their brain's going to be fully developed, whether they're going to have birth defects or not. But no woman wants to hear that because, because then they're going to say, so are you saying it's my fault? We're not talking about fault. We're talking about cause. There's a difference. But we would rather say God had some mystical reason to give me a deformed child than to say, Man, God created me to eat healthy, and because I've bought into the lie of the American diet, and and I've been I'm being deceived, you know, by by the Food and Drug Administration and the AMA. Rather than admit that how corruption is contributing to this, let's just blame mm. God. And and so there was a, I didn't know it. There was a girl in there that had just recently either lost a baby or had a baby born deformed, and. Uh, Oh, man, it turned into a war. I mean, it turned into a war. But the other hand is, I'm thinking of another couple that had lost their baby, a minister and his wife, and came up. We sit down and talked about this, and she said, so what can, what can I do to make sure I can have a baby? You know, she, they had lost a baby. And so, you know, we just put her on a good mineral program, and, you know, I gave her some steps to take. And, and I think the doctor had already said she just didn't even need, need to have any more babies. And, well, you know, we got, it. We got her healthy. Bam, she had, you know, the, her, her next pregnancy went easy, had a, had a healthy baby. Now, if she hadn't have done that, then she would have been hiding in the closet, praying in faith, so to speak. You know, and mm -hmm. the, the, our audience mm -hmm. can see that I'm doing air quotes, faith, which yes. usually yes. faith is usually fake. It's F-A-K-E. It's not, <laughs> not really faith. Right. But she would have been hiding somewhere for having fake and and asking God, it's, it's sort of like saying, now listen, God, I'm going to eat hamburgers and potato chips, and, uh, and I'm not going to solve any of my medical problems. But you know, man, I am just trusting you to violate my decisions, to violate how I manage my life, and force my baby to be healthy. And if it's not, I'm going to be mad at you because you let me down, because you didn't come through on my fake. Hmm. And that's kind of, I mean, that's really the approach people take. Yeah. I mean, this is, this can be so extremely painful, you know, for some listeners or people. I mean, just wrestling with these concepts and just even the life experiences that they have had. And so we, we create these meetings of tens of thousands of people 
And some get healed, some don't, some have babies, some don't. And and some people, you know, I, you know, we couldn't have children, but I had so-and-so pray for me, and now I can't. And so they bring in that God component mm-hmm. because, you know, I got the I got the yeah. right formula, or um, you know, it's it's almost like um, I, I I hit the jackpot, yeah. and so I I think a lot of people are like, how do I hit the jackpot yeah. with What's God? What's wrong with me? That, that that's not yeah. working. Right, and I, I mean it's 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 so devastating, and because I can't, that mean it must mean God's withholding from yeah. me, and so or I haven't I haven't done something now right. Remember. The word Satan and devil is accuser and slanderer. So see, the devil doesn't have to do anything. If I believe that, the devil doesn't have to whisper anything in my ear because I'm going to do it. I'm going to say then, what's wrong with me that God's not doing? So I'm going to start looking for what's wrong with me and figuring out what I got to fix, which is going to throw me over in works righteousness and performance and dead, you know, dead <laughs> works. And I'm going to corrupt totally. myself. And I tell you, there's nobody more angry than the person who pays this monumental price to try to get their prayers answered, and they still don't get answered. Man, you're yeah. talking about anger and disappointment. But but let's, yeah. let's let's kind of flip this over now. Let's start looking at it. see. So if I see, but if, now if if I believe the gospel piece, and sometimes this is one thing you just have to say. You know what's in the Bible? I just got to choose to believe it, even though right now I don't feel it, I don't see it, I don't get it, but I'm going to choose to believe it. Okay, so gospel peace, God made peace through the Lord Jesus Christ. I am in Jesus. Now, the Bible says that that we have been delivered from the wrath of God. And it says, you know, if God loved us when we were yet sinners, how much more now, you know, that we have been, that we have been reconciled? And so, uh, you know, we, we just reject all, all, of those, all of those kinds of scriptures and just ignore the love of God, or I, I don't know what we do with it. But anyhow, so so we never calculate in that. You know what? If I'm at, if God's at peace with me, then whatever's going wrong in my life, God can't be doing it. Because if He does, He is li- He has lied to Jesus. If I right. He has violated His own character. If and I am in Jesus and God mm-hmm. does something to hurt me, then he has to hurt Jesus because I'm in Jesus. Right. So, right. so I am saying that he is taking the name of the Lord Jesus in vain. And I am saying that he is rejecting the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus all because of me. I'm that, I'm that important that God is going is gonna, is gonna to void the whole death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus just because he's mad at me about something. And, of course, that makes him an out-of-control, narcissistic liar. And that's really what they're saying. Let God be true and every man a liar. There's got to be some place where we say, you know what? There's a liar in this equation. It's always going to be me. It's going to be yeah. me. Mm-hmm. So, so we take these scriptures, you know, we're delivered from the wrath of God. We either are or we aren't. It didn't say sometimes we are, might be. If we pray enough, if we do enough, it just said we are because we're in Jesus. So I'm delivered from the wrath of God. Now, God's not a hypocrite. So in God's word, it says that if you have the capability to deliver someone and you don't do it, then you are as equal, you're as equally as guilty as a perpetrator. So if then if God let this happen, then he's as equal as the devil or whoever did it. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as guilt mm-hmm. goes. Mm-hmm. So so 
So that's how extreme we are when we say God allowed this yeah. to happen. That, in essence, that's how extreme it is against the character and nature and goodness of yep. God when we saw said God allowed me to have an affair. God allowed these people yep. to have this sorrow of infertility. God allowed my baby to be sick or whatever yep. it is like that. It, it is so sad. But the core, and we talk, you know, we talk about this all the time, the first two pillars of faith is how God created everything, you know, the, the, the worlds, and how God created man. And in the creation of man, number one, we're creating his likeness and image, which means we are sovereign. Nobody makes our decisions for us. Nobody forces yeah. their will on us. We make the decision. Secondly, it, 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 if we have authority and planet Earth, and we have authority over ourselves. So God will not and cannot do for us what he has given us the authority to do because that would make him a liar. Right. You know, that's why Jesus said, and people twist the scriptures, why Jesus said, listen, if you don't forgive, remember that word forgive sends away. If you don't send away your brother's offenses, God won't send away your offenses. Why? Well, you know, because people turn that into works. Well, see, God's saying that if you don't do it for somebody else, he's not going to do it for you. No, he can't do it for you. If you don't send them away, Jesus said, you got two choices. You send them away or you retain them. And that's your choice. Yeah. So the greatest place that makes us godlike is the fact that mm -hmm. we can make decisions. And because we can make decisions... We are the only species in all of creation that can change the quality of our life by making decisions. Mm -hmm. So, and we'll we, we get to the we'll get to the better than time travel part in a minute. We're we're, we're heading there. Uh, you better better. <laughs> <laughs> so now, <clears throat> or me and a million people are going to be mad at you. So now. Moses was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land. So Moses was up on the mountain with God, and Moses was like, God, I want to see your glory. Now, hmm. here you wonder, what was in Moses' mind? What did he think he was going to see? Because I know if you were in, you know, according to what group you were with, the Pentecostals, the Charismatics, the Baptists, the Word of Faith, the Prophecy group, I mean, according to which group you were with, you would have an idea, some idea of what you were going to see. You had some right. predetermined idea. Because, you know, when you yeah. think about the glory, I mean, we all know the splendor, the greatness. But when you think about the glory, you kind of think about the biggest part of who God is. You know, the yeah. most phenomenal aspect of, of who God is. So whatever Moses was thinking, he knew if God agrees to show me his glory, I am going to see the biggest, most influential, most powerful aspect of who he is. And so God says, all right, Moses, he said, but I can't show you my face. Because if I do, this is going to be, this is going to be so life-consuming that you you can't live here on this planet and you know people think about okay so it's going to kill him sort of like in a negative way no it's going to consume him it's going to transform mm -hmm. him to to where he can't even abide in this realm 
Right. He can't be on earth anymore. So God hides Moses in the cleft of the rock and, and, and agrees, I'm going to show you my glory. Now, remember, you know, the New Testament, when you get into the word glory, you get, it's that word doxa from which we get the word doxology. And uh, if you've ever been to, uh, you know, to, to a, a high church, you know, the doxology is, ah, man, ah, man. And, you know, the uh -huh. choir is singing this and somehow knows that's yeah. supposed to be the glory of God. And, uh, you know, if you, if you go to a charismatic or Pentecostal church, they, they say that the glory cloud appears in the building. Well, that's really just the deacons smoking outside and they got sucked in through the air conditioner or something. You know what I mean? Uh, <clears throat> but, you know, we've all, got, we've all got these concepts of what we expect this great splendor of God to be. So, you know, I just, I just, I just keep thinking about Moses. Man, he squeezed into the cleft of the rock, and he's like, "Man, I love. I'm going to see mountains tumble. I'm going to see. I'm going to see the fire. I'm going to see the cloud. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to see all of this incredible stuff. But whatever it is, is God's reality. I'm going to see a reality that is beyond anything anybody alive has ever seen, because God said He's going to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. God says, okay, here it comes. Here it comes. Here comes my glory. And what God said was, he showed him his goodness. Mm. He didn't show him a cloud, a fire, an earthquake, a healing, a miracle. He showed him his goodness. And when I say showed, really, it's more like translated his goodness to him because this wouldn't be something you could actually see. It'd be have something you'd have to perceive it. You'd have to experience it. You yes, know, you, yes. you you would have to it have it'd be all consuming. It wasn't tangible. It yeah. was yes, much bigger than that. So, you know, people go to church every day and God let your glory manifest here. Well, you know, I kind of think, well, let me see here. So, what is it you're really praying for? You want God's glory manifest? What are you, what are you praying for? And if people were to tell you the truth. Well, nobody ever say the goodness of God. It's always going to be a miracle, mm. healings. A lot of people get saved. And all of those are maybe aspects or component of God's goodness, but they're not really the glory of God, per se. The glory... That's so interesting. Because I'm thinking about all the songs we've sung throughout all oh, these yeah. years. You know, let the glory of the Lord rise among yeah. us you know just stuff like that and it's really what we're really asking for is the goodness the actual goodness of well God. if we believe what god said his glory was that's what we're that's what we should be asking for yes well the real truth is there's nothing to ask for because mm -hmm. we're already experiencing the goodness of god but now remember if you have a crooked heart you cannot mm -hmm. perceive good and so all of these great things are going on. I mean, you know, any day that you get up, it, you know, if this is the way I kind of look at my life. If God was who religion said he is, every day I'd get up in fear for my life because, because I've given God plenty of biblical reasons to kill me. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. you'd get up every day just waiting, living in constant condemnation, just waiting for the shoe to drop because you know you haven't lived up to everything you should do and you know you deserve something, some some type of retribution or something. I mean, you know, you just you just know because you haven't you haven't done everything right. And the fact that the fact that God didn't kill you today is the goodness of God. The fact that 
you know, the fact that you're breathing, the fact that that planet Earth works the way it's supposed to, the fact that we have oxygen to breathe, and the fact, you know, all, all of these, anything that makes life work, mm-hmm. you realize it has to be in harmony with God if it's actually making life work. Now, so the crooked heart can't find good. Now, the Apostle mm-hmm. Paul in two different places, he does it in the book of Romans, first chapter, and then he does it somewhere in Titus. I think, I don't know if it's Titus 3 or wherever it is. But man, he goes through this these lists of horrible traits, horrible mm-hmm. sins that are destroying the earth, that's corrupting people. And here's what's really interesting. You know, right in the middle of this, and both of those lists, this big thing that's corrupting and destroying mankind is that they're not thankful. Now, you know, you wouldn't expect that to be one of the big, this is killing everybody and this is causing, you know, this is causing everything to go bad and, you know, that, that just doesn't fit. Not thankful. Now, in the Word of Faith movement, the charismatic movement, they start, you know, they start leading worship and they would command you to be thankful. Thankfulness is not initiated in our hearts. Thankfulness is a response. In other words, you can't really just say, okay, I'm going to be thankful. Well, what are you going to be thankful for? Because you can't be thankful for something if you don't perceive or experience goodness. And so people are worshiping, trying to be thankful. And again, like we said, with their lips, they're worshiping. But with their hearts, if they're not aware of all the things that are going right. You know, I'm telling you, and I'm, and I'm not trying to be self-righteous here, and I hope I don't come across that way, but I'm telling you what, and I mean, I have laid in, in hospital beds, sometimes not sure I would be alive in an hour from that moment. Sometimes in some of the most excruciating pain. Matter of fact, one time, I, one time they, they took me in for an emergency surgery. This was back in the seventies, and it was like I, I had a I had a cyst. I had cysts on both of my kidneys, and one of them was, I guess, according to them, about to rupture. And that cyst ruptured, then my, you know, I would fill up with all of this toxic pus and and and, and you know in my organs, and you know, very probably wouldn't make it. And boy, it was painful. I mean, man, I was in pain. I'm telling you, I was, it was just one of the worst things I've ever gone through. And so, you know, they came in, gave me some morphine. Nothing, nothing would cut the pain. So I'm, I'm writhing. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in the kind of pain where you're just literally writhing. You know, there is no place you can wow. get that doesn't hurt. Wow. There is no, and you don't yes. stop. You're just, you're just rolling around, uh, you know, tr- just yeah. in, just trying to find any way not to hurt. And, and, right. and, you know, and in my heart, it was, it, it was, it was hard to even have a clearer thought the pain was so bad. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. And I yes. remember, I remember, man, I'm just like, okay, God, you know, uh, I know you're with me. And all I was, all I could acknowledge, you know, is that you're with me. That, that's all I could acknowledge. That, that was it. And uh, I'm telling you, it was like I got transported into another realm. And one of the Hebrew words, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm trying to remember which particular word it is that, that kind of relates to goodness and this sort of thing. It, it, uh, it talks about going through that portal into another realm. 
and how mm-hmm. that, that how that, that portal is actually in your heart, and that and that portal always leads you to make a choice. It always leads you to repentance, to make some kind of a choice. Well, in that moment, and I'm telling you, my pain didn't change. Nothing got better outside. But the scripture came alive to me that said, your loving kindness is better than life. And suddenly there was this overwhelming awareness of the goodness of God. That, that whether I lived, mm. whether I died, none of it really even mattered as far as the wow. quality of my life. And even though the pain didn't go away, I went into a deep, deep rest and a deep, deep place of peace because I could, even though I wasn't experiencing physical healing that moment, I was still experiencing the kindness, the goodness, the wow. tender mercies of God. That is powerful because you were just really overriding or coming past the most physical situation circumstances imaginable yeah. and yet you were able to counteract that because his loving kindness is that incredible beyond words what words could ever say his loving kindness is better than yeah. life and that reality it came alive within you and almost transported you into that new realm of peace well no it did transport me there i was there, there yeah. i mean i, I, I was yeah. there experiencing yeah. something so my, my point is this you know, what is it you're most aware of? Are you most aware of what you're experiencing out here in your circumstances and in your ego-driven need to prove God in your mind by everything working out the way you think it's supposed to work out? Or are you, or do you have an awareness and can you maintain an awareness when you are facing obstacles and conflict and, and physical pain so that you're staying connected to God, you're staying aware of God. Because you see, if thankfulness is a response, then you stop, and your awareness is out here, then you stop being thankful the minute things stop going the way you want it to. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do. It's like I lose any perception of how good God is. I lose any perception of the millions of things that are working in my behalf right now, behind the scenes. And sadly, remember, once we start expecting things to go wrong, then things start going wrong. Because that's what Mm -hmm. we expect. That's what we believe. That's what we talk. Mm Mm-hmm. And therefore, we prove to ourselves that we have nothing to be thankful for. We lose touch with the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> we are the most godlike when we make decisions. Mm-hmm. Now, here's one of the ways you can know there will never there will never be time travel, because time and space are. Are, are intimately linked. And like we know that in, as long as time goes on, our universe keeps expanding. It has to because time and space are linked. So anybody that ever says that you can travel back in time doesn't know what they're talking about because to travel back in time, the universe would have to shrink. Right, right. And it would, it would affect every living 
thing on earth. Now, you can see into the future, but you don't travel into the future. Right, right. You can Or you can see into the you past. You can see in the past, but yes. you don't travel in the past. But there is something that people hate and people resist because of how religion has twisted it that gives us something that is better than time travel. Because, mm-hmm. see, what starts happening in our lives is a cause and effect. You know, I made this bad decision back here, and cause and effect sets in. And, and, and cause and effect, they're external things, and they... It's like I made this decision, I'm living with the yeah, consequences. So, 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 yeah, so consequences start happening, social things start happening, yeah. financial things start happening. And that, now, so here's mm-hmm. the problem. Once you get into that cause and effects mode, number one, you stop being thankful. Now, remember, if thanks, if thankfulness is a response, then when you are not thankful, you are not in touch with God, which means mm. you can't hear what God is saying. You can't hear his leadership. And remember, when you get under stress, the gateway between the brain and the heart closes and, and you, you can, in your brain, you can remember things that God told you in the past that are probably going to be pretty good, but they're not specific to this situation because you're not really hearing what he's saying about right now. You can't really follow him as your shepherd. You can get pretty close. You can get in the general neighborhood, you know, based on what you learned in the past. But, you know, sometimes close ain't good enough. So I'm out of touch with God Mm-hmm. I can't see the good. I'm starting to become pessimistic. I'm going to start questioning God. I'm going to start blaming God. And eventually I'm going to take myself to this place to where, you know, uh, you know, Jesus talked about how that, uh, how that you would hold to one and despise the other. So I'm going to hold to him from the sense of, I, I don't want to go to hell and I don't want to, you know, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't want to lose everything, but I kind of despise him because the real truth is holding on to him is not, you know, Technically, holding on to him is not doing anything for me right now. Because I'm in this sequence of cause and effect where it's like, it's like I, it, somehow I keep making these bad decisions. Things keep going wrong. Things keep not working out. I got all this proof, you know, that God's really not good and it's mounting up every single day. It's corrupting my heart more and more where I can't even see and perceive God being good. But we have one tool it's the power of choice but here's the here's the word that we have to use if we really want to understand this word it's the word repentance there is no place in all of our lives where we get to demonstrably change cause and effect like repentance See, when the Bible tells us that, for example, the Bible tells us oh, you have the mind of Christ. Well, you know, there's a lot of stupid people that just run around, around saying, I made this decision and I've got the mind of Christ, so boom, there it is, you know. I'm thinking like Jesus. Well, maybe not. Because you don't, mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. though the mind of Christ has been made available to you, if you do not renew your mind based on what he taught, then you don't have the mind of Christ. You have access to it, but you don't have it. And really, being delivered from the curse of the law. 
you know, legally we're delivered from the curse of the law. But if I keep making decisions that bring destructive consequences, it, none of that really matters. Because I'm, and, but I'm making those decisions based on certain beliefs, based on certain ideas. Repentance says, and, and golly, the, the, the word repent is so positive and broad and in-depth and, oh man. But, but religion took repentance and said, repentance is when you're really sorry. Repentance is, you know, when you're ashamed. You need to be weeping and crying and beating on the altar and ripping your clothes and sackcloth and ashes. And, and until you're like that, you haven't repented. Well, mm. you know, you might do that. And I've done that a few times, not because I felt like I had to, because when I looked at how stupid my mistakes were and I looked at how vile some of my decisions were in light of God's truth, then yeah, I felt desperately ashamed. I felt desperate. I felt stupid. How could I make a decision like this knowing what I know about God? But but still, mm. none of that equals repentance. You know, the apostle, when you see the word repent in the Old Testament, there's two different Hebrew words. One of them just has to do with being sorry. The other one has to do with, uh, with actually connecting to or reconnecting to God because you've changed your mind. You have, you have now, you, you have seen the error of your way and you're now turning to the Lord and looking for his wisdom, looking for his, looking for his leadership. Now, the curse getting turned into a blessing. And that's what, that, that's what happened in y'all's relationship. Mm -hmm. The curse got turned into a blessing because you, you looked at it you all looked at the decisions that you made. You know, you know, Bob, I've, I've said this to you before. You know, I think every time you mention this, and, and, and I, I've kind of, I don't mean to in, embarrass you because I know it's your own board with this, but I, I think every time you, you guys mention this, in order to broaden the scope of how powerful this is, it needs to be like, you should never refer to her having an affair without you referring to your part of what got it there. You know, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, and and oh, you usually absolutely. do, but I mean, I, I usually do. So I'm not getting on to you, but but the reason for that is because this wasn't just Audrey looking back at a mistake that she made and the sin that she got into. This was Bob also saying, "What was my role?" Because that's the biggest. Your testimony is all about you know the right to be angry and the right to punish her, and you know you know and the right to be right, and 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 you know what's interesting. Audrey's sin in this was easier to own than yours was. Yours was more deceptive. Oh. Mm -hmm. You know, when you do the, whenever you do the big obvious sin, it's like, that's easy to repent of. You just look at it and go, golly, that was stupid, man. What was I thinking? Right. What was wrong with me? But right. when, when you've got the subtle undercurrent sin working in your life, then mm -hmm. the, and the other mm -hmm. person's sin is bigger than yours, you're kind of like, yeah. You know, now I'm going to send a little bit here. I'm going to have a little problem, but golly, look what they did. You know, my stink don't stink near as bad as their stink, you know. <laughs> and Oh, there's a, there's a lot of truth there. And so, be, go be, ahead, I'm sorry. No, there's a lot of truth there yeah. because in order for you to reconcile, I had to deal yeah. with my stuff. Yeah. There, the, the, otherwise, we would have just continued to perpetuate what we uh, always gotten. Or w what we would not have experienced is harmony. Yeah. We right. would never have experienced harmony. And that is exactly, you know, the chaotic thoughts that I was having and experiencing is that how come I'm not feeling free? Yeah. 
How come I'm not feeling better? How come I'm not able to love? How come, you know, what's wrong with me, mm-hmm. you see? And so those, in order for us to really experience the goodness and the harmony yeah. that God intends for our marriage, boy, I needed to repent big you know, time. I think, I think y'all need to do a he said, she said book. And, and like mm-hmm. one half of the book needs to be about, this is what I had to work through from Audrey's point of view. Mm-hmm. And then the other half, mm-hmm. you know, without really even talking about Bob. And then the other mm-hmm. half of the book needs to be, and this is what I had to work through. And then the last yeah. part of the book is, and this is how what the harmony that came out of it. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. Now, just, just right. stop and think. Now, I'm thinking back to the days when y'all were going through this and you know, we were all friends and talking and yep. connected. Yep. And, and, you know, and just, just stop and think, okay, this happens. Okay. So you start getting criticism from every church leader that knows about it. I mean, what, if you don't mind, if you're not too uncomfortable, just tell me what all started going wrong in your ministry and in the bigger picture when this came out. Before the affair or after, after, after the, affair? the affair? Yeah, w- one, of the, uh, one of the big ones was just really trying to reconnect, you know, within community, you know, within, uh, you know, our hometown, you know, within but that, the but church. But that's not the problem. Uh, within- the problem was to feel like you had to reconnect, something had to happen before that. Oh, well, see, we had moved yeah. away. To a you brand know, new place yeah, for a couple years. Where there was a lot of mercy. And yeah, a lot, lot of mercy, rescue. a lot of love. There wasn't but, a lot of judgment. But then we went back to where the offense took place. That's where. And there was no mercy. No. Right. No. And people really, really wanted to, they want to punish hold us. us mm-hmm. And they want to see you suffer. Not, not, not. They want to see us suffer. Yeah, and not Perfect. see us celebrate. No. You no. know the mercy of no. God. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so the truth is, that could have been the end of your ministry. That could have been the end of your destiny, and you all could have spent the rest of your life on an apology tour, so to mm, speak. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Because of constant. It kind of was there. It, yeah, and it and was it was there. kind of that. What and we that's were, we were done with ministry. For yeah, sure. and so then you know after a few years, it's just like, I you know, I'm not going to no. do this. I'm not going to put myself or my family through this. And that's when we thought. We're so done. cause and effect, you know, the cause and effect mm-hmm. was, okay, here's what happened. Now this is, man, this is, the, the dominoes this are falling. This is as good as it's going to get, and this is as good as it's going to get. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. So now, so, so now, better than going back in time. See, because if you went back in time before this happened, you couldn't turn the curse into a blessing because you wouldn't have experienced the curse. Therefore, right. you would have continued into in all the same problems. That caused the curse. Exactly. Yes. If it wouldn't have come to yeah. that, who knows? And so what it's not you know, it's not good that it did. I mean, you could have learned other no. ways, but probably wouldn't have. Yeah. So so right. at some point in time, you take ownership. And yes. see, repentance is never about what you quit, it's what you start. Mm, very cool. People who think that that repentance is about what I'm gonna stop doing. They never, they never overcome the curse part of it. They just, uh, mm. it's like, okay, I'm going to quit that, but I'm going to live under the shame of it for the rest of my life. Golly, I, I'm trying to remember there was a friend of mine that, that went through a divorce and, and a bad situation. And it's like every time he got up to preach, he would kind of apologize for his past. I'm like, what is wrong with you? 
You know, the past can't be the past if you if you keep bringing into the future. Well, the thing is, it's not right. the past for the person who is still suffering the consequences of it. Mm-hmm. It's the present. Right. And so they're going to have a sin consciousness and they're going to always feel the need to apologize. They're always going to be wondering who knows and all this kind of stuff. And it's like with our story, people have actually wanted to do movies of our story and stuff. And recently we got another offer this last from Lifetime, you know, to be on your movie. Well, they want to do a whole movie about the drama of the sin. Mm-hmm. And then, but we will, when we share a story, we take one minute talking about yeah. what we quit doing. We take one minute for that and we take an hour to yeah. talk about what we, what we started to do in yeah. receiving God's love. We don't want to oh, talk yeah. about what we quit. We want to talk about everything about what we started. Yes. So the moment there was true repentance, because the repentance wasn't, I'm going to stop this. You know, the repentance no. was, who, who am I in Jesus? The repentance was, I got I to yes. turn, turn back to my connection with God. I've got to wrap myself around God. I've yes. got to see mm-hmm. this thing from his perspective. Yeah. Well, only when you put yourself in that situation where where you're remember the glory of God, not only is it his goodness, but it, it's his view, opinion and reality. So you're you're saying, what mm-hmm. is the reality here? Well, you might not have said it this way, but the reality of it is when you get to the holy of holies, you don't find a judgment seat, you find a mercy seat. When you yeah. know, <laughs> mercy triumphs over judgment. When you when wow. you get to the deepest heart of who God is, you find goodness, 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 goodness. Mm. And so so suddenly it, it changes the way you saw yourselves and how you got mm-hmm. there. You start reinterpreting mm-hmm. how you got there because because now you're not yes. defending yourself. Now you're not trying to no. try to lie to God right. and try to make sure that you convince him that it wasn't your fault or something, you know. And right, now right, right. You know, you're you're not trying to convince anybody else of anything. All you're really doing now is saying, well, wait a minute. This is who we have the chance to be now. Because yes. remember, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. So yes. in this deficit, you don't God doesn't just give you enough. It's like if you go if you if you go out here and say, Okay, I got there's a hole out here in my road, and so what I want to do, I'm gonna put enough asphalt in my driveway to fill it about halfway up now you know it, it's it's like no we're going to fill this thing up completely so there's not even a bump in the road there mm-hmm. and that part of the asphalt is going to be stronger than any other part of it and so suddenly you enter into this new dimension of life that's all yes. based on the goodness of god and so now it doesn't even matter what anybody says about it. It doesn't matter what true. anybody feels about it because you have so turned true. the curse into a blessing. And you said, you know what? I can look you in the eye and I can tell you the truth about what I've been through. And it's going to help you get through what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And so it yeah. became a strength, not just for you, mm-hmm. but for mm-hmm. everybody around you guys. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I love what you said. When you get to the Holy of Holies, you don't find a judgment seat. Mm-hmm. When you get to the very depth and the to the true character of everything that God is, you're going to find that mercy yep. seat. And if there's anything that I could say about our story is that Bob and I found love yep. like we've never found love before. If I tell you anything about when we tell our story and we get emotional, we're emotional not because we're sorry for what we did. We're emotional because we were so yep. loved. Yep. We have been so loved that it blows our earthly mind. We can't even conceive in our own heart or give words to the account of how much God has pursued us 
and with his passion and loved us all the yep. way through every mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. You know, when you mm -hmm. spell the word goodness with the root Hebrew letters, one of those letters implies then that that goodness pours through you. So mm. you see, the truth is, number one, we can't show the world the goodness of God beyond us showing him how good he is. Yeah, that's true. So and then the, here's the second thing. Romans 2, 4 says, the goodness of God brings you to repentance. Now, religion doesn't believe that. Religion believes it's the wrath of God. It's the punishment mm -hmm. of God. It's a chastisement of God's going to bring you to repentance. Well, that's, that's not what the Bible says. It's the goodness that brings you to a repentance where you're turning back to him fully. Yes. Now, So stop and think about it. Now, repentance is where you make a decision based on the goodness of God. It's where you make a decision to reconnect with God. It's where you make a decision to, to let go Change your mind. Let go of these faulty beliefs. So the real truth is, if you're not a person who is actively repentant, then the real truth is that's the greatest evidence that you're not experiencing the goodness of God, which probably is going to, if you, if you keep reverse engineering, it's going to probably say, oh, and means you're not really noticing the good things in life which means you're not thankful, which means evidently you've got a crooked heart that does not believe and trust how good God is. And you've got to do something about it. Yeah. Well, you know something, before we go, I want to say one thing. I got, I've had this on my heart for a couple of weeks and, and just to you listeners, you know, uh, uh, this is one of those many things I do without ever telling them I'm going to do it. I, I would like for you all to consider, you know, uh, uh, the way Bob and Audrey have structured their ministry, they're, they're like us. They really have to manage their money well to be able to do all the things that they do. Uh, they, like me, they do so much of their ministry work out of their home. And they and so, you know, you always got your home, your personal finances and your ministry finances are kind of entangled in a way that you're always kind of putting your personal finances into the ministry. And so uh, they have faced a particular challenge uh, that I think we should help them overcome. I would like to encourage you. I'd like to help them raise $70,000. They, they have a very specific situation that they're facing uh, that would really free up money for the ministry, really free up money uh, for them to be able to expand their outreach. And I'm telling you, they're doing stuff all over the world. They're helping couples. They're helping all, you know, people in all kinds of situations. So I want you to consider sitting down today and maybe just doing something incredibly generous for them. You know, whether it's $100, $500, $1,000, $10,000, do something really special for them. I would really like to see them because I know for us, you know, every now and then we'll get in one of those situations where, man, we got to come up with $50,000 or whatever, you know, uh, sometimes a lot more than that. And, uh, you know, nobody's sweating it. Nobody's under pressure. But I'm just saying it would free up resources for ministry if they have $70,000 to come in pretty much as, as much of a lump sum. So that's something you can give to one time. Or you might just say, you know what, I'm going to give. $500 a month for the next, you know, for the next year or whatever. But I'd like for you to, to consider this. I would tell you to pray about it and you can pray about it, but I'd also like to say, just make a decision if you want to be generous in this situation. 
Wow. Thank you so much for mentioning that, Jim. Honestly, that means so much. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely not something we would have said ourselves, but I know that you are such a support to us. And um, our listeners have been such a support. They've always been, yes. In in response, even just to responding to little emails here and there, we just love hearing from our listeners. So if you've heard that and that's something that you want to participate with, we could not be more grateful. The easiest way to donate is to um, go to bobandaudrey.com. And on the homepage there, there's a donate donate button at the very bottom of that page bobandaudrey.com. And it's just this little button that says donate. And there's a way to give a donation there and you'll get a tax deductible receipt. But, you know, today we talked in during this time, Jim, about thankfulness, mm-hmm. that it's not initiated in our hearts. It's a response to, to what you've perceived as God's goodness. And I just do want to say, though, that God has provided for us in ways that right. I can't even imagine through our crisis, mm-hmm. through these years, through these times of ministry, I am so grateful. His provision is always there, Very and we have real. trust in Him more all the time. Yeah. So thankfulness is big in our hearts. It yeah, really is. It is. But I appreciate you mentioning this, so, Jim. So generous. And uh, just one final thought before we close. And in advance, I want to say thank you. You know, thank you to all of our friends and, and partners in the ministry. But as well, I believe today has been an extremely touching and just moving episode. And I want you to take the benefits of today and and bring them home for yourself. Because I want you to know more than anything of how your Redeemer lives. Mm -hmm. You know, this whole time travel thing, it's it's (laughs) a a thought I haven't had. However, (laughs) I can really see. And I just want you to know deep, deep down in your own heart God's not going to waste one of your sorrows, not one of your sleepless nights, not one tear will he waste. He's going to redeem your life and he will heal the woundedness of Mm -hmm. your heart. Our Redeemer lives. I think that's one of my favorite, I have so many favorite characteristics (laughs) of God's nature and his character, but the fact that he can redeem, he doesn't take away our past. But he will not waste our sorrows, like you said, Bob. And he can neutralize the effects of the past and turn that curse into a blessing. Oh, this has been a great day. Thank Thank you you. so much, Jim, for pouring out your heart. Okay, we'll see you next time. Next week here on Live Transform. Bye-bye.